Welcome to Cancel Third Party Delivery Podcast. I am your host, Matt Klobaca, owner of Townies Pizzeria on Amelia Island, Florida, and Chief Technoker of Yolk Street LLC, makers of DeliveryLink.co, your self-delivery platform. This is the podcast dedicated to bringing back self-delivery to your establishment. Listen while I share my experiences with third-party delivery companies and why your company should avoid third-party delivery like the plague. Today is Saturday, May 29th, and this is episode three. We would like to talk about the front page of the exchange section on the Wall Street Journal with a special guest, Alex Purr from Dataront. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thank you for taking time out on this Memorial Day weekend. So you're not in the Hamptons uh, in your $10 million house? No, no, not this weekend. Um, Unfortunately, it does not quite exist yet. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, fantastic. We thank you for taking time out. So in today's uh, uh, Section B, Exchange Section, Wall Street Journal, front page, very large picture, uh, the race to make food delivery pay. Caption reads, the pandemic sent business soaring for companies like DoorDash and Uber Eats, but they're still trying to cook up a recipe for profitability. The math of making 90 cents on a $36 order. We were talking earlier with uh, Alex, and Alex brought up some very key points, and I said, let's turn this into podcast number three. So, Alex, where were we when we left off? So, we we had discussed, essentially, um, consumer preferences um, between off-premise food service and dine-in food service, and we had also started to, to dive into whether or not covid and and the pent up demand, as they're calling it in the in the newspapers, um, is going to ultimately totally change consumer preferences. So let me ask you this: the is food delivery sustainable? So, for example, through the pandemic, we the media society has said. Food delivery is this huge thing, and the pandemic brought on food delivery. And now people are saying, well, that, now that we're back in full swing, do we really need food delivery since it's only going to represent, say, 2% of our sales? So could, you mentioned something about Netflix and the consumer habits. Do you want to touch base on, on that in regards to uh, consumer habits and is food delivery here to stay? Absolutely. So I've, I've, you know, delved into the facts over the last decade or so. And, you know, the, the first big change in the restaurant industry, I started looking into back in 2005, it was called Chipotle. And it was this concept called fast casual, which wasn't really a thing going all the way back uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And essentially what fast casual allowed for people to do is go get some craft quality food, something very tasty and bring it home so that they could watch a movie and eat good high quality food at the same time. And so Netflix helped 
tremendously in increasing the ease of watching movies from home. Um, I'm not talking about Netflix, you know, pre-streaming. I'm, I'm talking about Netflix uh, streaming services and how you can just go and pick a movie on demand, watch it right now, um, and order some food, bring it in, and have a fully enjoyable dining experience with all the entertainment you could ever imagine. So can you give me a timetable on that? What, what year are we talking about, approximately? So I would say somewhere around 2011, something like okay. that. That's kind of when we started to see more and more people adopting that type of behavior. Post-recession. Right. And do you think that recession uh, d drove any of that change in consumer habits? Um, I, I probably, I mean, most, most likely recessions have big impacts on, on consumer preferences because of, uh, a lack of money. So, you know, going to fast casual type restaurants was kind of an intermediary between, um, fast food and, uh, full service type business where you have to also pay a, a tip and, um, and obtain full, you know, wait service. So the movement towards delivery started around post-recession with instead of going to a $50 movie and a night out for dinner, it's let's go get some decent food, take it home, or perhaps call for delivery. The delivery still at that time was pretty much isolated in the pizza and Asian food space, correct? I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I guess the big question is, when did Grubhub start to become a thing? Okay. So, in, in Grubhub, Grubhub is, was, you know, one of the catalysts right around that era to bring to bring food to the front door and bring entertainment instead of spending a lot of money out outside the home is bring entertainment back in and Netflix with streaming allowed the average consumer to do that. that right. Yeah. Grub, I mean, Grubhub was maybe founded uh, back in 2004, but it it didn't start to really become a thing until 2011 or maybe even later into 2015. Got you. So delivery has um, always been a thing, especially for Chinese food restaurants and, and pizza restaurants, but it's never been fully approachable by your average restaurant, not, you know, at least, because of all of the challenges that your average restaurant would face to, to come up with a delivery service. And the cell phone and the internet are two major, major changes to the restaurant industry that, that enabled um, delivery to, to become more commonplace. So a question uh, that comes out of this article is, this is now as the pandemic is waning companies like doordash uber 
Grubhub, etc., are trying to address what could be basically a life and death question, i.e., how can they make the math work? And to this day, to my knowledge, we're in uh, early, we're in the second quarter, starting second quarter of, of 2021. I don't think any third-party delivery company has made any money. In fact, this article today says that after a $36 average ticket, after accounting for advertising refunds to customers and other operational expenses, DoorDash average is left with 2.5% of the customer's overall bill. That means DoorDash ended up with 90 cents on the average order during the height of the pandemic worth around $36. Now, that math is not very pretty, but it's the best in the industry. Wow. Yes. So but the, the question you're, you're on our, uh, you're on my podcast called the cancel third party delivery. So cancel the idea behind canceling third party delivery is this is first of all, we have third party delivery companies that are spending billions of dollars creating an industry or enhancing an already an existing industry and at the same time that they are making no money losing money restaurants up to this point have went out of business at well Yelp said 167,000 restaurants went out in the uh, went closed down in the last 12 months and we know, I know for a fact that a lot of those restaurants are not coming back. Question for you is this, is, is delivery here to stay, one? And then two is, if it's here to stay, how is it going to be sustainable for, for uh, a small chain or a, an independent, a single single store restaurant or a small micro chain restaurant? Well, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be difficult. You know, it's uh, it's always been difficult to to have a delivery service. Um, and for your average restaurant, I I think that there's a chance that their geographical location is going to make a large difference in whether it's fully sustainable for them to have an in-house service. Um, for uh, the average restaurant, you might be looking more at a hybrid type system where they have um, one full, you know, full-time delivery driver on staff so they can have a delivery service that's um, um, highly reputable. And then they might also need to utilize third party drivers, um, contractors to come out and, and, and do the courier service that you're accustomed to with third party delivery. Got you. So back up just a little bit here. Uh, first question is delivery here to stay? Are, are we going yourself? Let, I just talked to you the other day. And you said uh, Washington, D.C. in your area has 
say, 25 uh, Michelin-rated restaurants. You yourself eat, uh, use, use those services or use uh, high-quality restaurants on a regular basis. Though, are those restaurants impacted by third-party delivery and or would they or let's let me ask the, I guess the question is this is is backup is third-party delivery or is is delivery here to stay are restaurants going to continue to deliver their product yes I, I think they will I think that um, um, innately a restaurant is all about the dining experience and providing um, the, the food service to consumers. And, and the average restaurateur I speak with will tell you that maybe they hate third-party delivery, maybe they love third-party delivery, but they'll tell you that if their customers want the food delivered, they'll find a way to make it work because they want their customers to be happy and they want their customers to be satisfied. They want their customers to continue to be their customers. So this goes back to, I don't know, I think we have two levels of uh, food, uh, food products. So your, your high, your high end Michelin rated restaurants, that have say 30, 40, $50 entrees and up, They're, the experience there is more of the food rather than, as far as delivery is concerned, are they concerned with a third party delivery driver delivering their food? So I haven't, even though I'm in the DC area, I haven't fully experienced um, Michelin rated delivery services. Uh, I have tried it from two different Michelin rated restaurants during COVID and they both didn't do it the same way they would, they would prepare a meal, uh, for dine-in. It was a totally different menu, something that could be reheated, um, at home so that you could still have a hot meal. Um, at your convenience. Uh, so most of the time, it was still shipped hot. They just wanted you to reheat it. But one of the meals was uh, shipped cold, and it was refrigerated. So it's a totally different experience. But I have to say that you might be wrong with that, Matt, that um, a large part of the experience of eating at a Michelin restaurant is the uh, orchestra that you're witnessing between the chefs producing the food that you're about to consume and the waiters and servers um, and all the other people that make that restaurant run moving in, in a cohesive, coordinated fashion to bring you the food at the exact time when you're, you're fully anticipating the next course. It's an it's an opera or a, a or an orchestra of sorts or a dance or a dance or a dance. Yes. Yeah, so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when when you're at a, a restaurant and they're just totally in sync. So the delivery of food in that 
high Michelin rated restaurant space is probably not as important as as is for a higher volume restaurant, say as my pizzeria, Townie's Pizzeria, that does say 400 tickets a night. So here's something real interesting. There are some Michelin restaurants in DC that during COVID started making delivery meals, you know, totally different menus, but they went from being able to do a hundred tickets a night to being able to do a thousand or 2000 or 3000 in a night. And a lot of the restaurants also cut their prices in order to help to, to brand themselves better in the market as, Hey, here's something attainable that you can still eat at home. And now you can try some Michelin rated uh, restaurant food from home and still be happy with it. Do you think that was a result of survival or do you think that was a result or, or, or a uh, marketing attempt to gain market share? I think that it was purely um, purely for the benefit of their employees. Got I you. think they saw, they saw all these restaurants laying off their employees and these restaurants said, we have a better way. We don't need to lay off these employees. We can keep them and we can even pay them more because we can, we can um, win with volume. Okay, so let's fast forward to today. Restaurants are open in D.C., right? Right. Dining out on the street is, is ended? I mean, are they still dining in the street? I don't know. So it, um, everything just opened up on uh, yesterday, I suppose, this past week. I haven't been out there to see, but I was just in Frederick, Maryland, which is a, a small city, um, about an hour north of D.C., and um, dining outside was still a thing, but masks weren't. Got you. So let's let's go back to third-party delivery and whether or not it is going to be here to stay. Delivery itself is here to stay, correct? Do you agree with Correct. that? I do. So it started, started post-recession with Chipotle movement, fast casual, Netflix streaming, the idea that this is a pandemic. The pandemic was the uh, catalyst for this is, is really not accurate, that uh, society started moving towards cheaper entertainment and – Part of that part of that product was a was driven by the mobile app, also by cheaper, more frequent entertainment. Cheaper, more and frequent. not just not just cheaper, but also more frequent. Um, people would rather be able to have a day night twice a week for half the price than once a week for full price. And, and now, in today's in today's environment. That the the pandemic may have may have increased that. We're seeing like off the charts growth right now in, in everywhere. Uh, 
which I believe is probably, well, as a result of people sitting around for a year not doing anything. But it's also maybe that entertainment and food, you can get better, you can get better things more often, quicker. And all of that, I believe, aims at delivery. And so the idea of delivery being here to stay, I think is, I think that's, a, I, I think that is a something that me as Townies Pizzeria owner um, can basically move move with as far as, I mean, as far as growth is concerned. We're, delivery is not going to shrink. In fact, it might even get get bigger. We're right. seeing. I I think I think the other point is is that um, by people being stuck at home more, they've actually um, nested more, and so there are maybe not a, a very large proportion of the country, maybe only ten percent of the country so far, has been able to um, build a dine at home um, setup where they're fully happy and comfortable and would prefer over most restaurant uh, dine-in experiences. So maybe that's only 10% because it's really hard to get a contractor right now to come out and help you to, to remodel your house. But I can tell you living in a, a condo building for the last year, my neighbors that got bored were remodeling their house by, by themselves. It was really annoying. It was loud and obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So the third-party apps moving towards – so people are starting to eat out a little bit more. We're starting to see, I think, some writing on the wall that third-party apps haven't made any money. At the same time, restaurants have went out of business. Now we're coming out of the pandemic. Restaurants are, are going to be taking probably the percentage of deliveries are probably going to go down for the average restaurant. I know for us, for our restaurant, that's uh, not going to be the case because we've We've trained all of our people now to use the drive-through and to use the app and to use delivery. Our our deliveries are going up, but that's also because our dining room is closed. But I guess a, another question is 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 the third-party delivery companies? I, I've seen some of them going to selling, you know. There's an article right here is uh, the lockdown is over, but booze is here to stay. A lot of the states allowed third-party deliveries to deliver, deliver alcohol. Is there, is there, yeah, is there room? So third-party delivery apps, the companies are, are, are looking for other ways to make money. And do you see a consolidation perhaps? Do you think, I know Uber Eats just bought the uh, what was the name of the company in Europe? Eats, um, I can't think of it, but it was a big one. Is there going to be a consolidation, 
Uber going to buy Grubhub? DoorDash going to buy Postmates? Do, do you hear any of that going on? Sure, absolutely. I, I think that there will be some consolidation. I think that we've already seen a lot of consolidation in the restaurant space uh, throughout the last year as well. I, I don't know that there are official numbers out there on it quite yet, but um, through my company, Datarant, I've seen quite a lot of consolidation where there were restaurants that went out of business and, and uh, you know, a nearby restaurateur, you know, pre-existing restaurateur said, I can open up a second location right now for pennies on the dollar. Let's do it. So I've seen a lot of single unit restaurants um, scale up to two or three locations in the last year. Let's switch gears here a little bit. Panera came out two weeks ago, a month ago, and said they are doing away with their in-house delivery, self-delivery model, and they're only going to use third-party delivery. Did you have a chance to look at that article or... Do you know, do you have any opinions on that? I did. I, I looked at it. I was very interested in their reasoning behind why they wanted to do that. And what's your interpretation of that? Well, for the most part, I think the problem was their, their average ticket um, value. Which was what? Oh, I, I, I don't know exactly what it was, but... Um, in order for um, your own fleet to make sense, um, you, you would probably want the average ticket dollar to be over some number like $20. Um, it, might, it might be you know, plus or minus 5 or $10, but at Panera, you can order a bagel for $3. And in order to deliver that $3 bagel, that's not going to make any sense. For the restaurant and i don't know exactly what their their average ticket value was i think um i i saw something like eight or nine dollars got you yeah that that makes sense and the other the other interesting fact that i i, I took was the takeaway with that uh, panera decision is right now Staffing is incredibly difficult. I, I was in downtown Fernandina last night, small town, small coastal town. The, the restaurant, one of our biggest competitors, um, has three stores, had a $200 hiring bonus. And we talked uh, the other day, and you had mentioned, hey, Matt, why don't you just raise your payroll, raise your salaries, and you will then not have an employee problem. I want to say that part of Panera's issues were related to staffing. And in order to do in-house delivery and have a self-delivery model, you have to have, first of all, you have to have somebody over 21 and who has a driver's license and has a car and has insurance. And that could have been one of the reasons why Panera decided to just you know, not mess with it. Because if you're only doing a couple of deliveries a day, then perhaps it does make sense to order with or to deliver with a third party company. 
follow-up to that, though, is this, is that Panera, being a national chain, when people order, they know they're ordering from Panera. And ordering a third-party delivery from Panera is not going to risk losing that customer to your third-party delivery app. A smaller company like myself, Pizzeria, if I go out of business, does DoorDash or does anybody really care, especially uh, somebody who's used to delivery? So DoorDash just puts the next pizzeria on the list. And does that customer really care about whether they're ordering from Townie's Pizzeria or do they just, they just order from the next pizzeria that DoorDash lists? So that, that to me is, is one of the risks and one of the downsides and one of the reasons for cancel third-party delivery is that it's very, it, we spend a lot of money getting our customers and when that customer goes to order a pizza, they're not, they, they don't really care about what restaurant they're ordering from if they're a DoorDash customer. They just DoorDash uh, displays or shows them the list of pizzerias. Right. Well, I, I, think, I think that there are different types of consumers out there in the market. And if you're talking about a consumer that has never been to your restaurant before and their only experience with you is, is the food that you've provided to them, then I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, they, they won't care if you go out of business. I think it's very difficult for humans to imagine what Townies is and to feel what Townies is without physically being at Townies. And I think that um, one of the major breakthroughs that have come from um, um, the, the lockdowns over the past year with virtual experiences is that you can give them more of an experience. But the average restaurant is not technologically advanced enough to be able to give a consumer the level of experience they're going to require in order to solidify what is the ethos of Townie's Pizzeria in their mind. Which brings us to a 30 minute mark and we try to keep our episodes at 30 minutes. This is Matt Klobaka. I am the host of Cancel Third Party Delivery, also the owner of Townies Pizzeria and CEO of Delivery Link. We have our special guest today, Alex Purr from Datarant, that we want to thank. Alex, we're going to throw the mic to you for any parting words. Thank you so, Matt, so, so much, Matt, for your time. Um, I think this was a very good chat about uh, the state of the union for restaurants and, and third-party delivery. And uh, I hope that, that you're successful with canceling third-party delivery. Thank you, Alex. Much appreciated. Onward. Signing off.